This is Cybersound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufal and Stephen Maresca. Welcome to Cybersound. I'm Jason Pufal, the Vice President of Security Services for Vancord. And I'm Stephen Maresca, Senior Security Engineer for Vancord. This is our first episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to being here. I don't know about you, Steve. Uh, we'll find out soon. <laughs> Uh, so today we're going to talk about security fundamentals, which seems like probably the best place to start a first podcast, uh, set the groundwork a little bit for really what we believe to be those primary things you need to be doing for any just reasonably well-developed security program. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what is cybersecurity uh, and really spend some time on who needs it and why and what the benefits would be for your business. So I think with that, Steve, I don't know if you want to take a quick stab at what is cybersecurity. So cybersecurity with our philosophy overall is that it's a mentality around how to prepare for unexpected events and mitigate risk at the end of the day. And that's a challenge at many organizations. Most often, you know, risk is unknown. So part of the exercise is determining what risk you have and trying to prioritize how you respond to it. So it's interesting. We get questions, I think, all the time from people saying, you know, we want, we want to know that when we do some of these activities that we have no risk of a cyber attack. And it is all about risk mitigation and risk reduction. I was thinking the other day, I do a lot of cycling. And so I was on the road and it occurred to me that you can always get hit by a car if you're biking. The reality is, though, you can take some basic steps to make sure that you can continue biking and reduce the risk of getting hit by a car, right? So I'll run a, a blinker in the back, I typically ride on back roads. Sure, I could still get hit, but the reality is those two simple things reduce the likelihood that something bad is going to happen. Cybersecurity is absolutely no different. You really want to take basic precautions. You don't want to overcomplicate this. Uh, you want to make sure that your business can run, uh, but you want to do it as safely as you can. Uh, so. You know, with that, is there is there anybody that you feel needs cybersecurity in particular, uh, or you know, any any businesses that have particular you know, needs around cybersecurity? So, cybersecurity is a universal discipline that all entities, personal individuals, and, and organizations alike need to pursue, and it's it doesn't need to be complicated necessarily. Sometimes it's as simple as making sure that your your laptop at home is up to date, but the truth is that. Attackers and criminals are not really likely to discriminate. They're out for a cheap buck. And at the end of the day, it, it could be a big organization that gets affected or your, your parents at home. So most of the techniques that we talk about, most of the you know, approaches that are relevant, transcend all of those uh, environments. Obviously, some of them need to be more complex and more comprehensive, but the truth is that everyone is impacted with security threats, uh, large and small. So it's it's something that everyone needs to think about. And frankly, today, um, even as individuals at home, we are increasingly familiar with that type of a risk. I don't know anyone who has not at this time received some sort of a credit monitoring alert. It's, it's almost blasé at this point. Everyone has experienced it they almost disregard it at this point. But that underscores just how pervasive the issue is, how frequently people are affected, and the fact that it, it spans the spectrum from individual to organization. 
So what's interesting to me about what you said is that emphasis on return on investment for attackers. And I think too often the idea is, you know, our company isn't going to get attacked because we don't have data that's valuable. Uh, and the reality is it, this cyber crime is really a business, right? The intent now is to, is generally speaking to get money, right? So I think it sort of falls into two categories. The, the idea that you're going to hack for kind of that quick buck that you described, right? The, the ransomware concepts, uh, the PII and sort of the resale of that on the dark web. And then there is there are companies that have legitimate data that you know some of these state-sponsored actors really do want, right? It kind of falls into two buckets. But I think what we see so often is smaller companies that really just don't have a robust security program in place offer a really ripe opportunity for attackers to do something like a ransomware where you know they encrypt all of the data and then basically extort people for money. Not necessarily really complicated right. to protect against, but a really common thing that we see. The smaller small organizations don't have the staff to begin with. Um, they may not have a dedicated IT person uh, or even company, so their risk is relatively high. They may have acquired their equipment five, six years ago, and it stayed that way for the entire duration. Uh, we combat regularly the notion that attackers are sophisticated. Right. And... Part of that, I, I think, is, uh, you know, television, uh, Hollywood, you know, media in general. The truth is that m- most events are uh, achieved by far less sophisticated actors than might be imagined. And we have a presentation that we, we share a slide where, you know, a hacker is the stereotypical guy wearing a hoodie. Uh, shrouded in darkness. And we follow that with a, a secondary slide, which talks about the fact that it's really just an office environment with cubicles. That's the reality. And it's organized, it's profit-driven, and frankly, uh, any anyone in any entity that can be squeezed for a dollar, even if it's minimal, uh, is, is really the target of these entities. It's worth keeping in mind um, Social Security numbers, uh, credit card numbers. We consider them valuable. We consider them intrinsically part of our personal identity. But the truth is, they're they're only like four dollars right. to be purchased. If you yeah, want. they're not as valuable as you think, right? Which, which is fascinating. I think yeah, I really like the the point that you're making though around this being an organized activity, and you know, people really do need to think about this in terms of an office environment where you know there is a manager, there are people who are executing these attacks. They're they're planned and orchestrated, right? They're not typically an opportunistic drive-by type attack. Uh, Recognizing that the attackers themselves are planful, so also do organizations need to devote some some resources to preparation. And, you know, there are basic steps that that can be applied to protecting environments, to protecting data and protecting reputation. Uh, At at the end of the day, we, we really implore everyone with computer resources and data that they consider valuable to simply update their systems. Our largest incidents that we manage on a regular basis are frankly driven by uh, systems that haven't been updated in a long time. They are sitting ducks to be attacked. They're not sophisticated, brand new, um, you know, espionage driven attacks. And if organizations patch as their foremost goal, if, if that's all that they do, 
which is not very costly most of the time because it's you know using free materials released by software manufacturers. Um, those companies will be better positioned to defend against attacks. Well, and, that, and, and that's why we're calling this fundamentals, mm-hmm. because you can do, frankly, free activities to reduce your risk. Patching and vulnerability management generally don't cost an organization anything. They're capabilities that are built into almost every, say, modern operating system or potentially every security platform that you've purchased. Um, and attackers really are again, going back to ROI, looking for the quickest way to compromise an organization and potentially extract dollars. And if they can do that by using a a currently known and exploitable vulnerability that you could patch for free, they're going to do that, right? TV describes these guys as incredibly sophisticated and creative when in reality, it's the shortest path to compromise that they're looking for, right? And free in terms of patching is also a reasonable theme for defensive tools and defensive techniques as well. Antivirus is available for free. If it's not deployed because of expense, uh, that is not a reasonable justification. The same thing is true for uh, practices and procedures overall. Your users don't necessarily need to have very uh, complex passwords. They just need to have good password practices. If everyone is vigilant and conscious of their activities and regularly use passwords that are are not easily guessed, everyone's in better shape. So spend a second on that though. So what, what is good password practices? So is it rotating your password every 15 days? Is it something that's complex? Yeah. So that, that's a reasonable thing to start on. You know, historically everyone is aware of the the notion that changing your passwords frequently frequently is a good idea. We, we disagree. That causes people to act in ways that make their passwords less secure. Um, I'm confident that listeners or people that you know may have encountered someone who just tacks an, another number on their password. Right. That doesn't make it more secure. It just makes it easier to remember. The truth is that if you use uh, phrases that are memorable to you, but you know, are comprised of words which have no relationship to one another, uh, you will be far, far more secure than rotating your passwords on a regular basis, or for that matter, making them complex with uh, unnecessarily uh, unnecessary punctuation that makes them hard to read or hard to type. Uh, it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds counter to the advice that you've heard for 20 years, but the truth is that that's the route to protecting your, yourself and your systems. Well, and fundamentally good password practices are having a unique password for essentially every business that you have, right? Every site that you have. So, you know, if you think about it, you may have a great password. And if you use that password for every entity that you do business with, all it takes is one of them to have a compromise of some sort and now essentially that password has been exposed for all your other services, right. right? So you really do want a unique, not username necessarily, but unique, unique passwords certainly for every site or company that you do business right. with. Uh, staff at, at many organizations will use their organizational email to sign up for some website for some service. If they use the same password, it's exposed if that third party gets hacked. And it's not a hypothetical. It happens constantly. Right. Because, because it's complicated to manage all that. And there's password managers out there. There's ways to do this better. Uh, probably touch on that in the future, but password management is critical. It's effectively the keys to your organization, keys to your business. Uh, You really need to be mindful about how you protect that. I think the other 
The other area that, in my opinion, people don't emphasize enough, and, and, and in a way, we already we already spent some time talking about sort of two key technical controls. Um, organizations, I think, need to train their employees about what the risks are better than they do, because in reality, going back to that password and sort of the idea of, say, email phishing and some of the other ways that people get employees to divulge credentials, it's a lack of understanding. So they send really well-crafted emails now. Like phishing isn't like it was 10 years ago where it was riddled with misspellings and grammatical areas. They're really well done. And you need to train your staff how to identify these things because, frankly, they're the front line in almost any security program. And furthermore, you know, it's certainly our perspective and that of any ethical security company like us that, uh, you know, tools and defenses are likely to fail. Training, employee vigilance, awareness of how attacks are actually going to be perceived, how phishing emails might look. That's the way that you detect those things when your protections fail. Not if, but when. The so it's interesting. We you know, we're we're trying to keep these to a, a reasonable length, right? So that they're consumable uh, in a kind of a drive. So the reality is, we could go on and on about all the things that would go into a, into a robust security program. The purpose of this episode really is around that idea of fundamentals and those things that you can do. That really, in my opinion, that every organization has the ability to do, regardless of budget. Uh, and should be doing because they really make a reduction to that sort of threat profile, that risk profile that you might have. We focused a little bit on security awareness. We focused some on on patching. Uh, we focused some on credential management. Um, I think the last thing that I want to touch on before we wrapped up a little bit was making sure that you're backing your data up. Too often we see organizations where they do have data that's critical to their business. Maybe it's not Department of Defense, you know, uh, uh, classified data, but it's critical for your business to run. You have to back that data up. Data is king. It is the lifeblood of your business. If you don't have backups that you have tested and verified and can truly rely on, I would make that a priority personally. Right. And, and certainly get those basics achieved, tested, validated and regularly applied and then you can move on to the more advanced um, initiatives because honestly it may be attractive to throw money at the problem but if you don't have the underlying foundation built uh, you, you will still remain vulnerable and at risk right uh, so I think on that note right, we touched on a few high level things sort of relative to that concept of sort of security fundamentals or core security capabilities. Uh, clearly, there's a lot of things that you can do to build out a more robust security program. Uh, the intent here is to introduce those things that we think are you know, sort of elemental for any security program, regardless of, of, of the state. Uh, candidly, though, there's there's always topics we could touch on. We could spend more time on password management. We could, frankly, spend more time on building out you know, vulnerability management and patch management. Uh, so if, if anybody's interested in more depth on some of these topics, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you know, we're putting together episodes that we think are interesting, uh, but if you have opinions of topics that you really want to hear, let us know and we'll spend some time exploring those uh, more in depth. Uh, and with that, I think we're up against roughly our time limit here. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap up for the day. Uh, thank everybody for listening and, and hopefully you got some value out of this. Stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been Cyber Sound. 